0: Hello, I'm Claire from Wild Ginger, running the trail and ultra running YouTube channel, and this is the podcast version of my weekly live chat with an athlete, coach, or other running expert. The link to the original film on YouTube is in the show notes. Check out my Instagram and YouTube channel for more training advice, inspiration, and gear reviews. Everything is Wild Ginger Running, and my blog is wildgingerrunning.co.uk. Support me on Patreon if you enjoy this free advice at patreon.com slash Running. Enjoy this podcast and see you next week for more.
1: Hi everybody, good evening, it's great to be here, it's a Wednesday, it's 7pm today, we're a little bit later than usual because we are here with ladies, Bob Graham record holder,
2: it's Beth Pascal, yeah, how are you Beth, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well thank you yeah thanks for having me on again Awesome!
1: It's brilliant. Yeah, it's been over a year, hasn't it? I think I saw you at the UTMB last year, and um, and uh, we had an interview as well. Um, but you've been uh, going great guns ever since. So it's fantastic to have you on tonight, and congratulations! 14 hours, 34 minutes. That's a whole hour off Jasmine's time, um, or 15 hours, 24 minutes. Oh no, it's an it's more than an hour <laughs> off. It's an hour and ten. No. <laughs> Fifty minutes. Oh, I'm really I'm bad at maths. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad at maths. I was trying to work out how your time compare compared to George Foster's latest time. So you'll you'll have to um you'll have to let me know on that because I thought that was fifty minutes think, as well. well. I
2: think it was roughly fifty minutes separating Killian to George and then George to myself and then myself to Jasmine. Yes. I think. Yes,
1: okay, we'll go with 50 minutes all the way round.
2: You're much better (laughs) at maths than me.
1: That was terrible maths, I've literally got it written here. 14 hours, 34 minutes for Beth. Jasmine, 15 hours, 24 minutes. And then i've written an hour off um but anyway so yeah friday the 24th of july it all happened um but we're going to talk about that mainly tonight but first of all i just wanted to get a little bit of your background in ultra running because paul d hamilton says um i would really like to know a little bit about how
2: beth got into
1: ultra racing to begin with
2: okay um so probably rewinding about six or seven years now is when I first started running ultras so I've always been a bit of a runner I did cross country and athletics at school to like I was okay at it I was like the top of my school I guess and went to English schools cross country and that type of thing but I was never anything particularly special then i went to university and i and i was a rower a lightweight rower at university and i did that to a reasonably high level and then i got to the point where training with that just wasn't compatible with the latter few years of medical school so i quit rowing and the next few years i just did a little bit of running to just to kind of to keep fit to something that i could easily fit around um medical school and then my first few years of working as a junior doctor um and then I discovered ultra running mainly through reading some books. Actually, um, the classic books that most people read. Um, I think my dad gave me one of the books, which, uh, and then I, yeah. prior to reading some books, I had no idea that this sport existed. It never occurred to me that anyone ever tried to run longer than a marathon. And when I first started, it was it was purely out of curiosity. Like, was it possible to run that far? Could could I do it? So it was nothing about trying to run fast or thinking that I could be good at it. It was, yeah, purely curiosity, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, it kind of took off from there, I suppose, Gradually, kind of started to take it a bit more seriously, um, over little by little over the next six, six years. Yeah, we've well,
1: certainly come a long, long way. <laughs> um, um. And you've done um, the UTMB a number of times as well, and Western States one hundred. Um, it's just been fantastic to watch um, the rise of Beth Pascal. Um And <clears throat> have you got anything that you're kind of particularly proud of, like out of um, all of the races or the or the records that you've you've got?
2: Um, this is a really difficult question. I, <laughs> if I could pick a like top three, I would say UTMB two thousand eighteen uh when i was fourth. um western states 2019 when i was fourth again <laughs> and then my Bob Graham record i suppose yes yeah awesome three things would yeah, be did. really of. i couldn't see one of them out i wouldn't say they're they're difficult to compare i mean well certainly the Bob Graham is very difficult to compare to any races um but yeah it's um yeah it was a cool thing to do this year
1: Yes, it is definitely. It's fantastic. And um, I'm just going to give you a little sense of who's watching live tonight because everybody else has been following what you've been doing and they're really excited. So we've got Chesney Smith. It's his first time watching live. Um, John Gardner's here and he's got some questions for you um, later that I'm going to ask. And uh, Guy says uh, Beth is amazing. Alex Dehoto says hi <laughs> um Paul Hamilton's here as well I just asked one of his questions as another one as well uh Ben Turner is here as well and Philip Haddock as well um and we've got a question coming from Ben Turner about trading so I'll, I'll we'll go through some training in a moment I'll ask that question as well. Um, So uh, yeah, uh, let's talk a little bit about your training for the Bob Graham, because I'm reading your blog, which is great, if anybody um, wants to have a look, it's bethpascal.com. Um, slash blog dash posts. Um, the Bob Graham around one is a really nice one with loads of photos. Uh, it really gives a sense of, of how it went on the day. Um, but in training for it, you said you had a really good training block. Um, of what does that consist of? Like have you got like a typical mileage or a scent that you have in, during the week? Um, what does it look like?
2: Well, certainly it wouldn't have been. It was a good training block, but it wasn't what you might typically, in a normal year, if you decide to do a it probably isn't what you would do because obviously the first few months in march april may we were in lockdown so i wasn't doing that much ascent so luckily we could still run so i was still just running from my house um i was doing lots and lots of loops of my local woods like one kilometer loops trying to uh, get as much vert as possible but where i live in derbyshire i mean there are just small hills really i don't have big hills to run up and down so I did my best to to keep the training as specific as possible, but by no means was it um, was it like perfect training or great training for the Bob Graham. And then as soon as we were released (laughs) um, and able to travel, um, I just did lots of running on the route. So um, as you know, we weren't allowed to stay overnight in in the lake, so I was just doing day trips. So there was a lot of driving involved, and (laughs) when I drive like do a lot of driving, I feel like I should, you know, the driving has to, you have to be running for significantly longer than you're driving for to make it worthwhile. So I was Mm -hmm. putting a lot of, a lot of long days, like six, eight, ten hours, um, on the course. Um, but just once a week, um, and the rest of the training I was doing locally. Um, and my mileage was, I mean, nothing spectacular, but for me, it was quite a lot because I was working quite a lot at the same time. So I was probably doing between a hundred and, sorry, hundred hundred, um, 80 and, I think I did 120 mile a week, but yeah, somewhere between 80 and 90 miles um, with obviously a, a lot of vert in that as well. Um, and doing some, some faster running and some hill reps and things in, in the week uh, between long runs. And then a, a bit closer to it, uh, we, when we could stay overnight, I did a few back-to-back um, runs on the course. So I um, I did some back-to-back runs at Jasmine's pace, which was great for giving me the confidence um, that I could run that fast. So I might, so I think I did legs one and two on one day and then legs four and five on the next day. Um, and then I think I did leg three another day. Um, yeah and that was great because yeah just giving me the confidence i guess because all my long runs prior to that had been um hadn't been rushing i had been more focusing on um, getting to the route and and trying out different lines between the summits and things like that um yeah so that's roughly what what training looked like and so you did like 80 to 90 miles a week did you also kind of clock your ascent as well um i mean I could look on Strava, but I, I don't remember often. Yeah, because
1: <laughs> some people, like I know, like Killian goes out and he like he trains, he doesn't look at his mileage, he just goes
2: for the SN. so I just wondered if that was something that you did as well. No, I mean, I, I don't really look at, like I don't try to run a specific mileage uh, at all, but that's just what I noticed. Mm-hmm. More mileage. Yeah, so um, it's all there on Strava, people can go and have a look, can't they? Well, actually, actually, I kept it private on Strava. Oh. It was main, not because I was doing anything wrong. I just thought it would. I didn't. I didn't want people to know about my attempt. And I, if I started logging all my recce's on Strava, <laughs> it really it'd be really like, obvious to everyone <laughs> what I was planning. And um, yeah, and I didn't want the pressure of that. I guess. Yeah. That, yeah. that's it
1: yeah do it on the quiet and then just surprise everyone yeah it was a really it was really lovely because there was loads of these fkt's popping up all during COVID and it just it gave everybody else something to something to be inspired by something to dot watch and it was just really great so yeah thanks for being part of
2: that <laughs> you know equally enjoyed following all the other fkt attempts that are going on as well so yeah
1: yeah it was super fun wasn't it and you said at the end of your Graham, you found out that Damien had just smashed his FKT so that would yeah, just perked you up as well he
2: beat me by about 10 minutes or something in the end so yeah he was in the final stages when I was on the final stages cool so, it was cool
1: yeah it's really nice to know isn't it um and we've just got a question coming in on the live chat here from Philip Haddock and um, he says when you did those recce's for the Graham, did you do like uh, out and back um, routes or did you do circular routes like I know you did Jasmine sections there but then did you sort of turn them into a circle or did you have a car at the other end
2: like logistic wise how did that work yeah so most of the time I was on my own so I did circular routes yeah of um, a, a majority of the time so I do like leg one and two and then take the shortest route back or maybe, maybe I didn't do leg one and two and run back maybe just yeah so mainly single legs and making it circular like some legs are quite easy to do that like Lake Four running out from Honister and then the Quick Way and then back. Um but yeah, on there were a few occasions near the end where I when my husband was around and was willing to pick me up at the other end. Um but yeah, not not that often to be honest
1: yeah it's handy to have someone helping out like that isn't it and um and uh, it was also interesting to see on your blog that you said that the absence of races helped in your training as well and can you explain a little bit about that and and why that was actually helpful
2: Mm. so i guess i had a i ran a marathon in february so that left march april may june like basically five months of training and no races and, and normally you're you know you do a race and then you recover for a few weeks and then you build a training back up and have a training block and then you taper and then race again and so you normally go through that cycle you know I mean it varies but you know every two or three months perhaps um and that that consistency has to improve impact on well that lack of consistency has to impact on training so i think it wasn't the fatigue of racing it was just that training consistently for that five-month period which i haven't had before um and i think you know that's probably a reason why a lot a lot of other records went because um yeah because other people um perhaps some before they'd race too much or or maybe yeah just the training consistency so um yeah for sure it made a difference yeah yeah it's like you could just focus on
1: that one thing can't you there's no nothing else to sort of distract you and get in the way um and but you must have been really busy at work um paul asks um uh, how does beth juggle her work-life balance as a doctor and um, she must have been even busier during COVID times or, or wait, is your um, realm
2: not really affected by that Um so i'm a pediatrician so I can't say that during, like, those lockdown months that we were really, really busy, um, with like, with an, you know, more, more, cause the hospitals are full and more patients and things. Um, the cool thing about lockdown is that it doesn't eliminate corona, just coronavirus. It eliminates all other infectious diseases that affect children, which is basically our whole workload you okay. so fewer patients um, but because because there was nothing else no races and things I was working more than I had before so I was doing more hours at work and because of issues with staff having to self isolate and things that meant that yeah I was working more and longer hours and doing extra shifts and things but actually when I was at work it was fine yeah it was fine um, Compared to now, when <laughs> when we're just it's completely crazy and we're rushed off our feet all the time. So yeah, I was yeah I was working harder, but but not yeah the intensity was a bit less, which was maybe that meant that I was able to train better. I, I don't know, and and certainly I, I normally get ill a lot, um, and since <laughs> since uh, coronavirus arrived, I haven't been ill at all. Wow. Um, which I think is because of wearing PPE all the time, which is fantastic. So that probably contributed to training consistency as well, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting, isn't it? Like um,
1: the, the, a pandemic occurs, like this is really terrible, but then you're the wellest you've ever been um, because of all the measures taken. That's so oh. interesting. I, I'll probably jinx it now and i will get-, <laughs> get a horrible yeah. cold. <laughs> well oh, well well you have actually got an injury right now haven't you <laughs> um so what you haven't suffered in colds and kind of flu kind of things um you have now got so can you
2: tell us a little bit about what's happening for you now um yeah so back in september i was supporting a friend doing a Bob graham I had lots of favours to repay because all my supporters had been so good to me. So, yeah, I was—I um, just had an accident where I was running downhill in the dark quite fast in the wet conditions and I fell and twisted my ankle um, and, yeah, I assumed it was just a sprained ankle and then um, it wasn't really getting better so I got a, an MRI on it a few weeks later and found out that it, it was broken. So I have a, a posterior malleolus fracture um with injury to the posterior capsule so broken ankle with some soft tissue injury as well um so i'm not running at the moment i've just been uh, spending hours and hours on the bike Uh, um but it's good it's getting better and i'm going to start running again very very slowly next week
1: Ah, so that explains all the bike rides because John Gardner has picked that up and he's a fan and he says Beth is posting bicycle rides on Strava recently and having great fun. Will she talk a little about her riding with us? <laughs>
2: um, I Yeah, I mean, yeah, Strava doesn't look very interesting at the moment because most of the bike rides have been in the gym. Um, <laughs> I've been going out my mountain bike a bit, um, but but yeah, mainly I've been spending time on the what bike and in the, in the gym, which is um, it's just easier when it's dark and things or the weather's rubbish. And, and you can do um, it's more time efficient because if you go out on a bike, there are downhills. Yeah. <laughs> but in <laughs> the gym, you can just you can go much higher intensity basically and get get more out of it yeah
1: you can go constantly uphill if you want to and you're not going to fall off and break the other leg or break the other ankle
2: it's true it's my other worry with mountain biking I have fallen over a few times and tweaked my ankle which has been been frustrating but um yeah so I'm not um you know completely hating the bike so that's good yeah that is good and like in your training
1: like I don't know now that you're got the broken ankle like this might be more of a thing but um do you also do any weight training like did you during your um during your Bob Graham lead up and and, or do you do any now
2: I do a little bit I'm not sure I'd call it weight training um it's not like I'm squatting massive weights or anything but a few uh, like strength strength and conditioning so some some body weight exercises um and a few things Involving some dumbbells, like some step ups and split squats and things. Um, And most of that I could, I can do at home. So I kept that up um, when gyms were closed and things. Um, Yeah, so a little bit, um, but nothing. Yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, it's about 45 minutes a couple of times a week. Um, Mainly focusing on my weaknesses. yeah so yeah it's 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 good i don't completely hate that either
1: yeah it's nice to have a bit of variety in that isn't it and um and do you, do you also um adrian orange on the live chat here he just he says um how important is stretching and mobility type of exercises like especially with the high mileage that you are doing and also with that being sat in the car for so long that's a really interesting question
2: actually um i do zero stretching <laughs> um and i'm really really stiff i am am yeah i'm really like i'm one of those people if i lean over to stretch my hamstrings i can barely get past my knees um so i i don't think it's important <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I don't know for sure but it's nothing <laughs> i never do and i don't really do mobility exercises except for now just stretching my ankle and things um but but yeah no i I don't do it <laughs> just a simple answer yeah oh
1: interesting I was um I was speaking to one coach who was like well if you uh line runners up in a row um you get all the stretchy people on that side and all the non-stretchy fast runners on this side and um, who's going to be the faster runner the people who just train at running more or the people who train stretching more and I was like oh yeah probably the people who train at running more than stretching um but yeah I suppose for, for different people it's different um, some people need to stretch more than others Um I just do it because it feels nice <laughs> I just I like you know that kind of oh yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: Um I yeah I, I, I don't know I've never really stretched a lot I've always just been really really stiff um, but yeah I yeah, I don't think it makes a huge amount of difference for runners and I, I certainly think that being too flexible is a bad thing for runners
1: yeah um that's interesting because like do you, does your um you know ha- uh, you're a doctor a paediatrician does any of your medical knowledge um feed into your running um alex dehoto has got this question he says does it help beth to have a deeper understanding like of the body and its processes
2: i suppose so yeah um i mean what i do on, on a day-to-day basis is <laughs> doesn't have anything it, you know it's not applicable to running at all in any way um and my knowledge of you know running injuries and bones and muscles and ligaments is pretty poor <laughs> that's just not what I do um, but yeah like having a basic understanding of physiology I think helps if you're the type of person that likes to understand why you do things I'm not saying that you can't be a really good runner and train really well without having that knowledge but um, for me like if, if I do a session I like to know what I'm trying to achieve by doing that um, and that's when I guess having basic knowledge of physiology and things kind of helps um, and maybe I, I don't know if someone suggests some wacky new exercise or diet or something that I, I can be like well that's clearly a load of rubbish it makes <laughs> no sense at all <laughs> Uh, then maybe it helps in that way Uh, yeah
1: so you're not like easily duped by like the latest fitness fad or anything or nutrition fad
2: yeah exactly yeah yeah examples (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah but yeah i you know there are plenty of people who it's not necessary to have that knowledge to be to be a good runner for sure
1: yeah. Um, and um, and uh, so everybody's very concerned about your injury. Um, and Paul says, um, that injury sounds horrible, Beth. Do you worry about your fitness reducing over time? But I suppose you're getting in the gym and doing the, the biking.
2: Um, no, I don't really worry, if I'm honest. Um, I feel quite fit at the moment from all the cycling. Um, and I've got no races um, lined up. So... Um, if like I'm not losing fitness certainly when I start running out I'll lose that specific fitness and things that will get to take a while to get back into it um, but I'm hoping that having a break and doing cycling will do me more good than harm um, certainly you know if it was the middle of a it was a summer and it was a normal year then yeah I'd be <laughs> I'd be really upset about it and yeah I would be would be worrying but no I'm not right now it there's nothing I can do about it I've just kind of accepted it um and yeah I feel lucky that it's happened now rather than at any other any other time um yeah yeah it is lucky <laughs> it, yeah in some ways it's it's good
1: and yeah some people are chomping at the bit to get back to races but anybody who's injured is just like oh phew <laughs> Yeah. um and uh, we've got a question from uh, from toddy um he says have you ever felt like really low mentally during one of these long runs that you do um he's he wants to know like what's your way of getting through that and i suppose you um in your blog you said there was a low point around leg three like the first three summits where you were only just hitting the splits of um so uh, so yeah how do you kind of pull yourself through these uh, times when you have these low patches
2: Yeah, I think in the Bob Graham, that's probably a bad example because I actually, I felt pretty good the whole way through. Um, uh, in, yeah, I've had low points in races. Um, and I think what I tend to do is kind of break it down into chunks. Um, so if, and I know from experience that having a low point in a race, it, it's, you can't extrapolate that. So if you're feeling, um, you know like really crap at, at 10 miles it doesn't mean you're going to feel twice as bad at 20 miles and three times as bad at 30 miles you yeah i know from experience that it doesn't work like that and you might have a low point but things get better so i think yeah experience helps and um and i'll, I'll use the example of a UTMB and uh, last year when i was having a really bad time um, at 10 miles and at 20 miles and at 30 miles (laughs) and I got to like I think I I told myself that every checkpoint I said well I'll just get to the next checkpoint and I'll see how I feel then and if I'm still feeling bad then well I'll reassess the situation maybe I'll stop Um, and I told myself that as soon as as I was outside of the top 10 which was my kind of for me I didn't feel the need to finish the race in oh, beyond 10th place because I'd done it better before there was there was no need for me to do that and that's something i would decided in advance um yeah so that's yeah I had those rules in my head if I was still feeling bad and I was out, outside the top 10 I would I would I would stop and and then all I had to think about was the next 10 miles or the next 15 miles and then I got to that point and then eventually I started to feel a little bit better again um and I just kept going like that and only thinking so at times I was so sure that I was going to stop at the next checkpoint I never had to think beyond that so it never got too overwhelming overwhelming in my head um, yeah and I think I, I also think about um, it, in a lot of these long races I think about all the people that have helped me get there uh, and that Kind of keeps me going as well. I think about you know the sacrifices my husband has made, um, spending all his annual leave, oh. <laughs> coming, to or, uh, and I think about like all the uh, my coach and how much work he's put in to get me on the start line and things like that. And yeah, those, those things help as well.
1: Yeah, that's a really good strategy. Um, and people are saying yes, it's it's very they like your matter of fact attitude there. So. Um, some really good advice <laughs> coming out through this as well and I just want to say that you did come fifth in the UTMB that year that you weren't feeling so good so so that's a that's pretty awesome <laughs> for a time when yeah. you're not feeling so good so yeah. it just yeah. goes to show doesn't it that you don't have to be feeling good even for the first 30 miles on things like this you shouldn't never give up is is basically what you're saying <laughs>
2: yeah yeah exactly exactly um, and, and especially in ultra running that you know crazy things happen, and on that day, everyone just had a worse day than, well, most people except for four people had a worse day than me. So yeah, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, you never know. And also, you'd only just like done
1: the Western States one hundred, hadn't you? And you'd come fourth at that. And um, John Gardner says um, I will never forget that remarkable two thousand nineteen back to back placing top um, in the within the top five. So fourth at Western States one hundred and UTMB. Um, what are her recovery secrets? He says new, recovery nutrition secrets in particular. Do Do you have any? Um, I saw you drinking a
2: beer after the whole uh, <laughs> Um I'm sorry to disappoint. I have no sequel. <laughs> oh, well, just make some up. <laughs> nutrition. Cool. Um, no. I, I mean, I just do the normal things, like eat a lot and rest a lot. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I. Um, I think I... I know now because I've been through the process lots of times like doing an 100 miler and then recovering and I have like a test session that I know if I can run that well and feel good then I'm then I know I'm ready to start um, like training properly again so for me that training session is a two-hour moderate pace run so moderate pace being like comfortably hard Um, and I know it if I because I've, I've done it a bit too soon before and I feel after 90 minutes like this is I'm you know I'm really struggling here I know I'm not recovered but if I can finish my two hours running at a decent pace and I feel strong at the end then I know I'm ready um, so but that's just something I've I've learned I mean it was never designed to be like a test session but I've yeah it's something that I've kind of discovered probably works for me um, yeah. and and yeah it might I'll probably do that session two and a half weeks three weeks maybe after a hundred miler um and then if it goes well i can start training again properly
1: ah so you have like a little test and then and so if if you're finding it like super hard you then kind of back off and then do it the next week um
2: yeah and, and obviously, yeah, like i don't stop running completely i'll be running again you know doing just easy runs short easy runs um up until that point
1: yeah but not actually like on the training plan I'm training
2: um okay well, John Gardner
1: says um eat a lot and rest a lot I can do that <laughs> he says do you prefer a light beer or a stout <laughs>
2: uh yeah pale, pale ale is what I'd go for yeah <laughs>
1: nice well they're on beth's blog you must look at it um beth look at her bob graham blog um it's got a lovely picture of um, if you with your garmin watch on drinking this l- lovely big pint of beer and then your time of for the bob graham of 14 hours 34 on it i just thought that was a really nice kind of just puts yeah. everything into perspective doesn't it, it? Was,
2: well i'll correct you that it's a Sinto watch and oh sorry I think... <laughs> I don't think they're watching. It's okay. Um, <laughs> they will now. <laughs> uh, Sam, Sam, the photographer, was able to um, enhance it. I don't know what he did. Bring oh, them, make the numbers look more clear. Oh um, yes, yeah.
1: Because sometimes with the reflection, you can't quite get. Oh, I haven't got. It. But yeah, the, the reflection, you can't get it, can you? So yeah, that was, uh, she could have changed the numbers. <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> um, and oh we've got another question um, coming on the live chat from Ben Turner and um, he would like to know if you ever use a sauna or an ice bath for your recovery as well and you ever get into a lake or anything post-race
2: um ice bath no I hate the cold <laughs> I'm not sure even if even if I knew it was gonna help me I'm not sure I could do it because I'd hate it so much yeah so, so, saunas, on the, saunas on the other hand I enjoy um, yeah I I mean there hasn't been much sauna use this year for obvious reasons um, <laughs> but but yeah I, I enjoy a sauna and if I'm in the gym and the sauna is available I will frequently use it um, I think for recovery I, I don't know whether it helps recovery I don't know the evidence for that I think that when I've been training for races in the heat before so in the build up to Western States doing like a hard session in the gym then go straight in the when so doing a hard session and getting your body temperature up high and then going into the sauna for 20 minutes or so is good heat training it teaches your body to to start sweating earlier and and, and those types of things so that's useful um so I've mainly used it for yeah heat adaptation in the past um but but yeah recovery it probably helps um, and i just enjoy it yeah yeah
1: do what you like <laughs> maybe that's why you don't need to stretch as much because you've uh gone in the sauna
2: <laughs> maybe no
1: um and uh and i'm quite interested uh about your food just in general um matt h has a question um can you tell us about your nutrition on the day of the Bob Graham like what did you eat when did you eat different things at checkpoints than you ate on the way around um that kind of thing
2: um yeah so I um ate predominantly spring energy gels which are gels that are so they're not like your standard multidextrin based gels they're um, they contain more complex carbohydrates, so they're mainly there's different flavours, but they're mainly pureed rice with some fruit and things like that. Okay. Um, they're more slow release carbohydrate, and I've been using them for a few years in all my races, and they're amazing. Yeah, really amazing. So, wow. that's what I ate whilst I was running. Um, I so that that's what I gave my paces to carry and things, and I had one of them every about every 20 minutes. 15-20 minutes um, and I also had my drink was mountain fuel so I drank that as well for the extra extra carbohydrate and then at the I'll say checkpoints and um, checkpoints <laughs> um, I didn't I didn't really stop at the checkpoints so I think I had a glass of coke at most checkpoints and maybe a bite of something else can't actually remember maybe like a little bit of banana bread or something like that um but yeah I was reliant like you know 95% was spring energy gels and a few other bits and pieces just for variation but yeah I, I didn't really need that to be honest I can yeah I know that I can do 100k on just gels spring energy gels these days so yeah
1: Oh, that's interesting because um, Nikki Spinks, she goes like the whole other way, doesn't she, like fish? And she has yeah. baked
2: beans, rice pudding, like, uh, peach, thin peaches. Yeah. A lot of the things she's done recently have been much longer challenges. Um, and I think maybe you need it for doing longer things um, at a lower intensity. But if you're running at high intensity, it's chewing is kind of difficult, so you just want something that you can put in your mouth and swallow. Um, for me, anyway. Um, but but yeah, a longer thing that I'd have have more solid food. But I don't I don't need it and I don't feel yeah, I think it would be harder harder to get down. Yeah, and harder to digest and yeah. And
1: you have to work out what works for you, doesn't it? Like that might not work for someone else. Like I know this guy, I'm sure um a guy recently did a triple Bob Graham and I think um somebody told me that he did it on like ginsters pasties and um I don't know and coke all <laughs> the way round or something like really, really funny. <laughs> uh, but he did it. <laughs>
2: yeah yeah whatever works for you yeah
1: whatever works for you
2: <laughs> and um, and you
1: mentioned um, that you were giving this food to your pacers to sort of hand out to you on the way and um, what do you look for in um, a really good pacer and a really good support crew at those road
2: crossings Um so the pacers the main you need to have at least someone on each leg who knows the route um, so even though I knew the route well myself I wouldn't consider myself like an expert you know so I had um, and, and also when you're when you're do, doing your round it's useful to have it's quicker to run behind somebody so you're you can just look at the ground or the ground you know five to ten meters ahead and you're not the person looking or with the compass or yeah you can just run a bit faster if you're following so having someone who knows the route really really, really well um, is really helpful um, and yeah then someone who is your place? <laughs> yeah, <the> other, <laughs> yeah. You know, someone off up there going, "Come on!" How <laughs> is available on a Friday with twenty four hours notice? Yeah, that's <laughs> get the criteria. Yeah. <laughs> um, did your husband help out with the car,
1: um, uh, the the road crossings, or was that just another um, couple of people?
2: he uh, uh, was that most. Yeah, who was it? Well, it was split between my parents and him. So he did a few of the road crossings but then he also went up broad stand um which is the climb between uh Scarfell pike and scarf bell that requires a, a rope basically a fixed rope and a harness so he had to go he went up there with his friend joe farnell and they rigged up that which meant he couldn't be at all of the road crossings so i had to trust my parents to be in charge which was a bit nerve-wracking <laughs> um but yeah they, they were great um, so it all works out well. Yeah, is that because they haven't done much of that kind of thing before? Um... Mm, well, mm, they couldn't use that as an excuse because they have been to quite a lot of races. In fact, they they love it, and it's difficult to keep them away from races. Oh, they just they're just kind of three spirits. Uh-huh. Um, they, um, I don't know. They, you, I could see them being like, oh, at Wasdale, um, and thinking, oh, well, she's not going to be here for another hour. We can go for a quick nip up, you know, and we'll still be back in time. And I I don't know, they just, (laughs) Um, yeah, my, my husband gets anxious when they're around because they try and, yeah, they, I don't know, they lose track of time and they're just, yeah, they're just kind of free spirits and get a bit too excited about the
1: whole thing. things. Oh, bless them. Like a puppy. Exactly,
2: exactly. exactly. Yeah.
1: But excited, they, it, excited children. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they sound fun. But yeah, you need someone who's kind of going to, definitely going to be there and be like, right, okay, where's the stuff? Ah. It's definitely like having supported Sabrina um, on her Pennine Way FKT just recently. It is really stressful being support.
2: <laughs> so yeah. it's really hard work, isn't it? Um, I know. I mean, I haven't done it that much, but I have supported uh, Matt. He did a paddy the other the other yeah. year, and yeah, I found it really stressful, really stressful. Yeah, and I almost think it's easier things. to just do the running. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's, and that's one of the most basic types of support you can do, but going to a race in another country where there's thousands of other people around, yeah, it's it's horrendous. Much yeah. easier to do. Yeah, yeah, like I
1: can imagine supporting someone on the UTMB would be really difficult having to drive to all those different places and you don't really know where you're going, you're driving on the right, it's the middle of the night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, you've just, uh, yeah, Broadstand, um, that, sou- that sounded um, really quite difficult, you know, like after 40 miles in your legs, trying to cl- then climb. Um, how How was that in terms of like just
2: doing something completely different? Did you feel kind of secure doing that? yeah it's I think a lot of people underestimate broadstand um and yeah when you're when you I had done it in training but i'd never done it i'd done it with fresh legs and never under no other circumstances do you ever do a climb having run for forty miles so some people just um uh, just tie a sling around them and go up um but i had I was in a harness um, so it, I never felt unsafe. But still, it was yeah, it was surprisingly hard work. Like, yeah, it was a lot of effort to get up. Yeah. Um, even with a fixed rope and a harness and things. Um. And yeah, uh, after that, I got some cramp in my in my quads and things. And interestingly, so did um, uh, Shane Oli, who just who came up brought us down with me. And both of us after that, we got cramp from the strain of the climb. I think.
1: Wow. Because he's a really good climber isn't he well he he was in his youth a really good climber yeah, yeah. yeah. that's it and so had you done that climb before you've done a lot of
2: wrecking of the route but had you done that specific climb practice yeah I it. only only once most of the time in training i went i went round. yeah um, but yeah i had I'd done it just for as much as for matt to get to know it as much as me because he was going to be rigging it up for me um, yeah so yeah it was definitely useful to do it Um, in advance just so I knew what I was letting myself in for Um, because yeah I think it's something for most people it's probably not worth doing because it doesn't save you very much time Um, and and if you're not an experienced climber it will probably slow you down more than anything Um,
1: yeah so, oh, that's good to know that you can just go around. Um, is it a fox's tarn that you go around? I, I know I went that
2: way when I did it. Uh, I mean, there's fox's tarn or there's law's rake oh. or there's the, I'm going to get this wrong, the eastern traverse, which is a bit of a sketchy. Yeah, that sounds even more thing. terrifying. <laughs> I might have got that wrong, but it's something like that. Uh,
1: yeah. yeah brilliant and um, so you did it that way um, and uh, people were presumably uh, carrying all that kit for you and I was just wondering if you had um, a favourite bit of gear, I know you didn't have to wear a pack when you were doing the Bob Graham um, but uh, Florence Maskell has the question, she says I'd be curious to know what is Beth's favourite recent running gear purchase um, or if Salomon give you all your stuff then what's your latest um,
2: uh, piece
1: of gear from Salomon or, Su- or Sunto? Uh
2: yeah so the probably I mean my favorite shoe is that I have it's been my favorite food for many years and they just brought out a new version is the Salomon S-Lab uh, Ultra Ultra 3 I think it is now Mm-hmm. Um, which is yeah it's awesome I, I love it I, I wear it for all my 100 mile races um, and most of my training yeah it's just an amazing shoe um, and it's now out in a kind of purpley colour um, and it's got a nice I should have I don't have it handy um, a kind of um, the, the top is kind of like oh, not elasticated but it hasn't got a like a built-in gaiter but the top kind of it's almost like a sock so it stops stuff getting in um which is like the new thing in, in the new shoe and um, yeah it's really really cool
1: awesome does that come
2: slightly up the ankle with a bit of a zip is that the one no oh no, that's a different the, one like that this is no it's the same height but it's just got a bit of a softer bit at the top where it kind of um yeah stops stuff getting in mm. oh that sounds sure really good. good yeah, yeah so it's shoes, a good shoe
1: yeah, I've never worn a shoe like that, but yeah, I've I've seen that people can get gaiters on top as well. I've just always put up with stuff getting in the shoe, so maybe that's something to try. It is, <laughs> sure. Um sure. And then um, on the live chat, we've got Hannah Greenley. Um, she says, have you had the opportunity to run as part of a professional team event um, with Salomon? Presumably, yes. Um, if so, what's it like on one of those uh, Salomon um, team event trips?
2: Like could... a... Um, like a training camp or something I presume she means yeah
1: yes I suppose so yeah training camp or maybe when you all go to a race together and there's like a whole team of Salomon folks on their start line
2: Um, yeah uh, so we were supposed to have a two-week training camp this year which obviously got cancelled last year I went on a camp uh, with some of the girls who were also doing the UTMB so we Ran the course over five four days, um, and that was really really fun. Um, people like Emily Forsberg were there, Mimi Kotka, Miao Yao, um, so it was really cool to run with um, those those girls. Um, it was it was it was quite competitive. <laughs> Um, which I didn't really it more competitive than I thought it would because you know we're running 100 miles like no one's really racing each other I didn't think people were racing each other on the training camp but yeah it was more competitive than I thought but in a kind of in a fun and kind of playful way Mm -hmm. I guess um yeah yeah it, it was yeah it was great um and hopefully hopefully more to come next year
1: yeah yeah I hope so I hope everyone can start meeting up again soon um and um and just going back to the Bob Graham um you said uh in your blog that you felt fresh at the end um so and but you're not gonna you're not thinking of attempting it anytime soon again um but what how far do you think that women's record can go I mean do you think it could go like 50 minutes faster and and beat George Foster and Billy Bland even um what do you reckon that women could achieve if it was you know less less kind of it was a bit foggy and wet when you went round, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, um, that's a really interesting question. Um, and I don't see why if a female version of Killian came along that, that it, you know, someone couldn't knock a significant amount of time off. I think the thing that's kind of unique about the Bob Graham is that you need to be an ultra runner and a fell runner. And there are lots of... Runners that are much quicker than me, but they are probably not so good over 100k. And there's lots of ultra runners that are quicker than me, but they're probably not so good on the technical terrain. So actually, there aren't that many people who can put both together. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's one or two people I have in my mind and who I think, you know, if the moment came that they could challenge my record. But there, but there aren't that many um certainly of, of course one day someone will break the record <laughs> but by, by a long way that's just what happens um but i i don't know I like to think that it won't happen very soon um but yeah i i, I don't i don't know um and as we learned from this year a lot of records that we thought were mm. untouchable um have um have proved not to be so we'll see we'll see. Yes. Ah, interesting.
1: Interesting. Um, I wonder if anyone could go as far as Killian's 12 hours, 52 minutes for the women. <laughs> Maybe that's stretching it a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> yeah, but definitely like when a woman gets as far as Billy's 13 1353 time then that would be a really exciting moment wasn't it like just as george foster beat him with that um, for 13 hours 44 just recently that was really exciting so only 50 minutes behind that i mean you know if you got a dry day and everything just went perfectly then i mean who knows what could happen for the women who knows no yeah exciting yeah, um, and just running in. Just if you could just take yourself back to that moment where you were running in, like up to Moot Hall through Keswick High Street. It's it's such an emotional moment, isn't it? Like if people people come out of pubs, don't they, when they hear about it, and they're just like, yay! And it's all cheering, and it's just wonderful. Um, how did it feel to finish in those those final couple of couple of minutes, just running up the road there?
2: Yeah, it it felt really really good. Um, it it felt different to you know when you run in on a race because you know that every person there is there to see you run mm-hmm. and in a race you know that's never the case um, yeah so that I think that made it really special um, and yeah clearly there weren't as many people around as there might have been in a normal year or if I'd actually told people I was going to do it <laughs> beforehand <laughs> yeah still a fair few people turned out and yeah it felt it felt amazing and I think it um, it felt even better because of I'd had a pretty stressful couple of weeks beforehand and even it wasn't until the day before that I knew it was definitely going to happen because I changed the day last minute because of the weather and so yeah it was just a huge relief and 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 yeah it had been like a tough year as it was for everybody and that finally something had gone well Um, yeah I think that made it more more special I would say Um, yeah 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 it certainly
1: looked really great at the end like you looked quite emotional as you were on the steps and and... I I was I was fighting back
2: the tears yeah
1: it is it's an amazing moment isn't it Um, and um... And so obviously this is always the question people ask to ask to end an interview um, what are you thinking about next um for example paul Hamilton says is beth interested in any other fkts at all
2: um if races are happening as normal next year then i will be racing um if races are not happening then yeah yeah i will i will <laughs> do something else i mean i think um, yeah I, I mean not optimistic that the big races will be on next year but I it's always good to have a, a backup plan um, psychologically as much as anything I think so then if things don't happen this way the way we hope then then it's not too much of a blow um, so yeah there are some other fell running records that I I would go for Um not giving anything away <laughs> it's a secret <laughs> hopefully it won't happen and i'll be i'll be racing
1: yeah uh, do you
2: know what particular races
1: um have you picked them already or, or is that um confidential as well until we look on your blog yeah. and
2: I mean, I find... was, I'm, hopefully i'll do what i plan to do this year so um in uh, lake sonoma which is a race in Cal- uh, california in april and then leading on to Western States in June, and then leading on to UTMB. Um, so that would will, that will be the plan. Um,
1: but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see for 2021. So, so how can people follow you? I know you've got a blog, you're on social media, and um, just let everyone know how they can um, sign up and follow you.
2: Yeah, I think Instagram is probably the best place. Um, I Luckily, I don't think there are any other Beth Pascals <laughs> on many of the social media platforms, so just searching for my name is the best place to find me on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Twitter, but I rarely use it. And then, yeah, I have a, a website, which, again, I, I don't write blogs very often, um, which is BethPascal.com. Um Yeah,
1: that's it. Awesome, and it's Beth Pascal with two L's. I have put it at the bottom of the screen on YouTube. But if anybody's listening to the podcast version of this, um, then Beth Pascal is um, it's P-A-S-C-A-L-L. That is correct, is yeah. it? Yes, fantastic. Um, well, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for speaking to us tonight, Beth. It's been a real pleasure to have you on. Um, congratulations once again on that ladies' program record. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and yeah, wishing you the best for 2021. I hope those races happen. Well, thanks thanks a lot Claire. Awesome, see you soon then,
0: bye. Bye. Hi, it's Claire here. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. These live chats take place every Wednesday evening at 6.30 PM UK time on World Ginger Running YouTube channel. And the link is in the show notes.